evening, church. It is good to be here tonight. Glad that uh, some of you were able to make it out, study another portion of God's Word. Uh, tonight, again, falling in love with Jesus. That's the whole thought tonight and uh, through this series. Uh, tonight, we're going to continue our lesson on Jesus being the light, the light of the world and the light of our lives, which is really important. So let's go to our God, please, in a word of prayer. Our great Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for for blessing us and being with us, for helping us and, and keeping us, for strengthening us and protecting us, for granting to us this opportunity, Lord God, to study your word. Please guide us into all truth and grant to us wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Enlighten our hearts, Lord God. Help us to see you the way you want us to see you. Help us, Lord God, to see clearly your word. For we know your word goes out every time accomplishing the, the things in which you desire. Thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your care, and for your love. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, and thank thee, if it be thy will. Amen. Um, so, light. The light. Uh, you know, you think of light, you, you have to think of the darkest place you've ever been, um, physically speaking first, right? The darkest place you've ever been, and, and how you felt in that moment. You know, it's just, was it, was it, um, was it comfortable? Was it uncomfortable? Was it, um, was it chilling? Was it fearful? Was it, what was, how did you feel when you were in that, that place or that, that moment? It might even be a time when you were shocked, like something happened that you didn't see was going to happen, uh, some event, and then you, you just stopped, you froze, and you were shocked. How'd that, how'd that feel, right? And tonight we're talking about the light and darkness in regards to um, not necessarily the feeling alone, but understanding that this world, from a spiritual standpoint, it really, it's a really dark place. Have you ever been misled? Have you ever believed a lie? Have you ever believed something about God and found out later it wasn't true? You know, have you ever been, been deceived, um, in one way or another? And, and God, you know, rescues you. He enlightens you. He opened up your eyes to, uh, to see the truth. That's what we're thinking about tonight. That Jesus, the Savior of the world, brings us, if you will, shell shocks us, brings us back to reality, right? The reality of life brings us back to his truth because Satan is in the darkness and he's trying to destroy us and he does it very deceitfully. And it, it's like a like a ship that slowly adrifts, you know? It, it doesn't end up in the middle of the sea. It it gets there over a process of time. When Christians fall away from the faith, it usually isn't overnight. It's usually a slow drifting. You know, you, you don't study like you used to. You don't pray like you used to. You don't attend worship like you used to. You just start slowly drifting away. You don't talk about God like you used to. You respond differently to sin than what you once did. Next thing you know, you're gone. And the sad thing is, is that many that fall from the faith really don't realize it until you've completely fallen. And someone says, man, i got to get back to God. But first we go through the process of what's wrong in my life. Even though we know it's glaring, it's right in our faces, it's our relationship with the Lord, it isn't always right in front of us. I'll give you an example. Um, Samson, the Bible says, didn't know God left him. 
Right? But, but he should have known because, you know, if someone cuts the locks of your hair and, but God left him and he didn't know it. Right? David with, uh, Bathsheba, um, we were talking about that. How long did it take for David to realize his own sin? Now when I say realize, not that he didn't know he was wrong, but actually think about, contemplate the idea, I, I've actually fallen at this moment from God. And it wasn't until some time later and Nathan the prophet comes along and even while Nathan tells the story, the parable, he still doesn't get it, right? He doesn't get it until Nathan finally says, David, it's you. And then he goes, oh, you know, oh, wait, oh, wait, well, I'm in trouble now. You know, and so in life, that's how it happens. Spiritually speaking, we uh, begin to do things or, or participate in things or, or find ourselves in a, in a different relationship and not recognize it until until some time later. People realize what might come to our uh, aid and may bring to our attention how far we moved away from the light. And you know why we don't recognize it? Because you can still kind of see the light. You know, you moved away from it. It's not as bright, but you can still see the light, so we think we're safe. And that's the scary part of deceit. So if you will, Proverbs 6 tonight in verse 23 is where we're going to pick up. This desire to to see in in spiritual darkness. So here's here's a great question. How many of us can truly say we desire to see In our spiritual darkness. We desire to know the truth about our spirituality. So here's the, here's the test question. What if someone said, hey, I'd like to talk to you about your spiritual life, about your soul. How willing and ready are you to talk about your soul? Your spiritual condition? Think about that. Um, and what if they start meddling? <laughs> they really start digging into your life. Like Jesus said, ah, go call your husband. How many of us would have said, well, well, wait a minute. Now it's getting personal, right? The light. Proverbs 6 and verse 23. And by the way, we still haven't uh, corrected the microphone, so we can't have an open forum yet. But as soon as we can do that and figure that out, we will have an open forum in this Bible class. I, w- I would like that. Personally, I would like that better, and I hope you would as well. Verse 23 says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is light, and reproof for discipline are the way of life. So I wonder if the commandment is is a lamp, and if the teaching is a light, and then those two combined bring reproof and discipline, could that be the reason why people lack the desire to study God's Word. I, I don't want to know the truth about myself. Right? I, I just don't want to know. Um, maybe to study it as uh, as some preachers would encourage you to study the Word of God, and that is to study it and ask God before you study. God, show me me. Help me to transform myself. It's It's much easier to study... The Bible to prepare a Bible study, 
just to prepare a Bible study. It's much easier to present or prepare a lesson just to present or prepare a lesson. The challenge of God's word is when we read it, we must first apply it to whom? Self. Right? Apply it to me. And that's the part that gets skipped over so often in Bible class is we skip over self. But Jesus came to show us perfection. And in showing us perfection, he reveals our what? Our imperfections. See? And so that's the whole problem. But he's the light. And what a beautiful gift from God that God has shown us that when he says in Romans chapter 1, all men are without excuse. And since Jesus came, we are without excuse. Because Jesus showed us, you can keep the law, the Old Testament. If you were living under the Old Testament, we just chose not to. So in the New Testament, or which we live under today, we could keep the New Testament law. We just choose not to. Now when I state it in that way, it's more of an accusation. But how many of you would agree it's true? <laughs> I won't ask you to raise your hands, because, but I'll tell you right now, it's true. It's very true. We choose not to. If you will, Psalm 119. Because God's word is a light in a lamp, and it exposes, so it exposes in a supportive way, and it also exposes in a condemning way. Maybe I don't, I react to something in a way I shouldn't, and, and that, you, you know, then I've found myself sinning now. Um, how about this one? Be angry, but sin not. <laughs> and don't go to bed angry, and how many of us have gone to bed angry? <laughs> I mean, think about it. It's just a simple command from God, and then there's a reason why, and, and that's a whole another subject, but God's word is a lamp and a light. So verse 105, uh, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So Jesus uh, is this is our guide, and how beautiful that he's our guide and our light, and he's not asking us to do things that he hasn't already done. That's what's beautiful about Jesus, right? The difference is he did it perfectly. The struggle in the darkness is it's hard to focus on anything. You know, you can use night vision goggles and then you can, you know, everything kind of turns green and you can see things. And that's great as long as there's no light. You take those night vision goggles off and you do, you know, training and you fire a weapon or whatever it might be. It's really hard to focus. And then when you look, you can see stuff, but it's not, you don't have the greatest image and, and it's, it's tough. But in the light, you can really, really focus. One thing you can always focus on in the darkness is light. That's the beauty of the light. There's nothing in the world of darkness, in all of sin, in the wickedness of the world, there's nothing that can keep us from seeing Jesus. Nothing. We, we may not want to see it, but you, you can, the light's always there. Wherever there's good, there's always the opposite. There's always evil. Wherever there's evil, there's always good. God is always there. God's always present in one way or another. And so it gives us this, this advantage as God's people to know that God is always there because the light is always there. Sometimes it's harder to see Jesus, but he's always there. 
the more the affliction, the greater the affliction, the more the trial, it's more difficult to see Jesus. But he's always there. I will never leave you nor will ever forsake you. If you're staying in the light and walking with Jesus, he's always there. Always. Now think about this for just a moment. The sun, the S-U-N. Think about the how critical the sun is for us. Right? The ultraviolet rays, UV, the UV rays. Everything about the sun is is important. Our solar energy. Everything about the sun is critical. The heat. Everything about it is important. For our survival, photosynthesis, everything about the sun is critical. Without the sun, this is a this place right here, this, this world we live in is dark, cold, and lifeless. Right? Without the sun. The S. U-N. Without the S-U-N, without the sun, there's no life on this planet. Animal life dies. Uh, plant life, the world of botany goes away. We die. All the animals die. Everything dies. Nothing can live without the sun, S-U-N. And we can understand that from a maybe a scientific um, standpoint. We can understand that from an experimental. We understand from experience that without the sun, there's there's no life. And how critical the sunlight is, and the sun itself, how critical it is. I want to turn over to Malachi chapter four, and I want us to recognize a transition. Uh, in the scriptures. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. There the Bible says. I'll be there in one second. There we go. Um, but for you who fear my name, the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. If we can understand the value of the S-U-N. Can we understand the value of the S-O-N? How can we live without Jesus? Turn to Psalm 84. How can we live without Jesus Christ in our lives? Now usually I hear that question asked or stated. Maybe it's more of a statement and that is, I don't know how I could have made it without, without God in my life. Through Tragedy and, and death and sorrow and chaos. What about our everyday lives? Think about the absence of the sun. I mean, you know, we, we live in Alaska. We kind of, we kind of get that a little bit. But think about going further north and how tough that is. We know that's tough. We know even living down here, it's very tough. Seasonal depression and, and things of that sort. They call it cabin fever as well. What is it like living without God? Verse 11 of Psalm 84. The Lord God is a sun, S-U-N, and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God is our sun, S-U-N. He is the, the brightness of our day. He is the light of our lives. He is the greatness of the great in our lives. He brings us happiness and joy. He helps our our, our minds to work properly uh, with the sun. He keeps 
He keeps our nervous system working. He does everything for us continuously and constantly. What would our lives be without, be without, without the Son? S-O-N. And then the world, you, you know, it's as good as it's gonna get for them. So, but for us, we see greatness, don't we? Because of Jesus, because of the greatness of Jesus, because of the greatness of God, we see greatness. Greatness in our potential because of the grace of God, because of God working in us. Greatness in our situation because we know all things work together for the good, for those who love the Lord according to his will, right? We see greatness there. We see greatness in the the absence of evil because of the presence of God. We see greatness in that we know God, again, will never, ever forsake us. In other words, it's always going to work out for God's people. So we know greatness. We see greatness in Jesus. And to live without Jesus, we've all been there. It's not a, it's not a great place. It's hopeless, isn't it? If you really think about it, it's hopeless. Think about it. You've done this. Get up, go to work, go home, play a little bit, go to bed. Get up, go to work, play a little bit. It's the same cycle of life over and over and over and over and over again. It's hopeless. Isn't there more to life? Not without Jesus. But with Jesus, everything opens up in an amazing way. It's not that we just get up. We recognize that God woke us up. So then we wake up thankful. Thank you, God, for waking me up another day. What do you have in store for me today? Now I have purpose. I got a mission. I don't even know what's going to happen, but I'm pretty excited. Something's going to happen for the good of humanity and society. And God may choose to use me as an instrument, or maybe he'll use someone else. But I'll recognize that it came from God. And I'll be able to see the goodness of God in all of it. Something's so silly. Silly like, but it's not silly at all. It's really important. Driving in, and there's a car reversed on the road. Uh, Whatever happened, happened, I don't know. Sitting there. And I drive by and I go, why well, God saved another person. Right? You know, when they tell their story, oh no, see, I was doing this and I swerved and I did this and then the ego comes out. I go, no, God saved another person. Thank you, God. Isn't God good? You, you see God in everything, right? Protecting even, even the wicked as he protects his children. Go to John chapter 1. Very familiar passages of scripture. John 1 verses 4 and following. But we're going to look at just 4 because the light does not have darkness in it. And we know that, right? You light a match in a dark room and it's, the light does not, does not have darkness in it. It's light. And that's what Jesus is. And how important is the light? Well, again, go into a really, really dark place and turn on a flashlight and you'll appreciate falling in love with the light. And when the battery dies, you start shaking it and you go, come on, because you need the light. We need Jesus that desperately, the light of our lives. And the light does not have darkness, right? So Jesus um, gives us direction. He gives us purpose. Life is meaningful. He steers us clear of darkness. Verse 4, John 1, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now the question is, does that light of Jesus emanate from me? Does it, I mean, does it, does it come from me? That light of Jesus. 
can people see that? Can they, am I, uh, I think the King James Version says we are peculiar people. Can people see the peculiarity of my life? When they look at me, can they see? You know there's something different. Whatever that difference would be, it would be spiritual in some way. It would have a, it would have a connection to goodness, not perfection, but goodness. Like, you know, there's, he, he always has something good to say. Or his attitude is always the right kind of attitude. Sometimes he has the wrong attitude, but then he comes back and apologizes and makes the wrong right. Christians are doing what Jesus has done. We're always trying to make the wrong right. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. Make it right. Make everything right. If I've done it wrong, I need to go make it right, which means I'll go back and I'll apologize for the wrongs that I have caused in my situation. That's what Jesus did with sin. You know, the world was going wrong, and Jesus, through his blood, made it right. How could you not love Jesus, right? Again, verse 4 and verse 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, overpower it, didn't understand it, however you, whatever your version states about that. But that's telling us. We, we can't lose. You can't, if you're in the light, the darkness cannot overpower you. Unless you, the kid song, don't let Satan blow it out. I mean, if you blow the light out. But the darkness cannot overpower us because the power is in Jesus and not in me. I'm thankful for that. Thank you, God, that the power is in... If it were in me, I would say, man, I'm messed up. I, I'm, I've lost my power, but the power is not in me. For in me dwells weakness. Paul says, I boast in my weakness because then you recognize the power of God. The power is in Jesus. Let us never lose that perspective. That the power is not in me. The power is in Jesus. And since the power is in Jesus, the battery never dies. The light never goes out. You always, we always have the goodness and the protection and everything else that we need because the light never grows dim. God's consistent in all things. John chapter 9. And so again, it's just great to, to have Jesus in our lives and to follow Jesus in all things that we do. John chapter 9 and the verse is 5. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. There was a debate that I watched years and years ago. And the debate was over, you Christians have no light. And that's why we will not become Christians. Because Jesus left. And when Jesus left, he took the light with him. And that was the debate. Like, yeah, so, so the thought was, why should we participate in your religious, um, you know, ideas? They call it ceremonies and sacraments is what they called it. But why should we participate in those things with you when you guys are all walking in darkness? And they said, we recognize now we're giving you the light. And, and the preacher so, so kindly, so gently came to the Bible and said, you see, what you don't realize is when he left, he didn't take the light. 
He left the light. We're that light now. We're the reflection of Jesus. And so, and he went to a bunch of scriptures to, to demonstrate that. But the point is, is that, that Jesus has shown us the way. And so, imagine for just a moment, Jesus, while he's on the earth, just, and I'm coming, I'm coming to your jobs in a moment, right? Or, or maybe your neighbor's neighborhood, wherever it may be. Imagine Jesus, everything he did, People were watching him. Some watched him um, to support him and were rejoicing with him. Some watched him to catch him in what? In sin. They wanted to prove that Jesus, who was a, a great man, who was perfect, they wanted to prove that Jesus is like us. And we're going to catch him in a sin. We're going to catch him in a lie. We're going to catch him. And they couldn't. But imagine living your life as Jesus. And being so overwhelmingly different from the rest of the world. Right? I mean, he was so different from everyone else. And yet he was still the same. He's all man. 100% man. 100% God who did not use his God powers. But he was, he was as a man, he was 100% better than we. Than we. Because he chose not to sin. He was so humble. And, and we choose often not to be humble. Have you ever heard this before or been taught this? Humility is weakness. So don't be humble. Right? That's worldly thought. Worldly thinking. Jesus was humble and meek. And can you imagine the pressures of always being the light in the midst of darkness? I mean, you're the light. Even Jesus said, you know, I know the only reason you're following me is because you want food. You had food, you ate, and that's why you're... You don't don't really want to hear what I have to say. I gave you food, and that's why you're following me. Even Jesus said that. Can you imagine being, always being under that scrutiny and, and always having to be the light, but recognizing that that's what he, that's what he was. And that's who he was. He was the light. How do we feel when living our lives, we find that we're always under scrutiny? People are always using us as an example of why not to follow Jesus. (laughs) You know? And just waiting to catch us just one time. And you're supposed to be a Christian. You could have done, you could have lived your life for three months without, without living, without living in sin. You didn't do, you've done good things. You've done your job. You've done it great. You've done a wonderful job. And then one day you have one slip up and they go, and you're supposed to be a Christian. I can't believe you did that. It's like, well, wait. Well, what about the other three months? They don't matter any longer because of the scrutiny of the world. So they were looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus and there was none because Jesus is what he says and he says what he is or what he does, right? That's who he is. That is who he was. What made Jesus so different? You know what made him so different? Even though he was 100% man, 100% God, what made him so different was this. He really loved the Father. 
I love the Father, but not like Jesus. He loved the Father more than he loved himself as a man. More than he loved this this world. And he didn't get wrapped up in the world. He was just different in a very good and positive way. You ever get tired? You ever get tired of always having to do everything right? And I'm not saying to where you say, okay, today I'm going to sin, but rather just like you just always have to do everything in a very calculated way so it always comes out right. Well, there are some who have gotten so tired of that that they've completely walked away from Jesus. So what I want to talk about in the next couple of minutes is I want to turn to Luke chapter 5. I want to talk about examining Jesus but in, in, in all the greatness of his life. And I want to talk about what, would, you know, what Jesus did. What should we do? What Jesus did and how did Jesus handle public scrutiny? You know, the, the idea that every thought that he had, every word that he echoed, every everything that he did, if he ever seemed stressed or irritated or, uh, you know, it, whatever it might be, the emotions of humanity, because Jesus lived in, the, in a glass house. How did Jesus handle the preparation before the struggles, if you will, the day-to-day Hustle and bustle. How did Jesus handle the during, during the life, right? During the time where he's in the midst of the Pharisees and the scribes and the Herodians and, and just, just so many, the whole Sanhedrin and et cetera. And how did he handle the after, right? You finally get a breath of fresh air. There's no one here. And now how do you, how do you, how do you do that? And he shows us. He shows us how to handle the before. He shows us how to handle the middle, the during. And he shows us how to handle the after. The question tonight is, are we actually doing that or those things that Jesus demonstrated to us and showing us? So we're going to look at Luke, first of all. Chapter 5 and verse 15. Now I'm in a great time for... The microphone's the work. But the news about him was spreading even farther. And great multitudes were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But he himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. What's your prayer life like? See, that's the question. That's the handling of our difficulties in life. Prayer. A lot of it. Praying without ceasing, the text says, right? First Thessalonians chapter 5. Have you ever said to yourself, who does that? Who can pray without ceasing? I think the idea is pray an awful lot. Right? Pray. Pray before you, well, when you wake up, thank God, pray. Maybe on your way to work, pray. When you see someone... And you know is going to cause a conflict. Do what? Pray <laughs> before you can count. Instead of thinking about what you're going to say to them, <laughs> how you're going to respond, pray. And then after you sit at your desk, pray with Thanksgiving. 
Thank you, God, that everything worked out well. Now, please help me to continue on this track. And throughout your day, pray and pray. Pray for your job. Lord, help me to do the very best today that I can possibly do. Help me to be the very best that I can possibly be. Help me to be what you want me to be today. Help me today, God, just to be able to do this. Pray. Throughout your day, pray. And then when you're going to eat, you're going to pray. And then somewhere else, you're going to have a good prayer. And then before you go to bed, you're going to pray again. And just keep praying, right? That's what Jesus did. That's how Jesus handled all the stressful things of life. You have to love it when when you you get that phone call. You know, oh, I got to talk to you about something really important. Hang on. Lord, I need to pray. Lord, I need you. <laughs> God, talk to you, Lord. Hello, I'm back. I'm sorry. What's going on? Pray. Mark chapter 1. Prayer is, not only is it our tool that God has given to us freely, it is, it is our, our defense. It is our strength. It is our psychological um, solution. Because think about this. Have you ever talked to yourself? We talk to ourselves, you know, walk, oh, what, what do I do with my keys? I know I had them. And we try to, we try to problem solve within ourselves. But when you pray to God, you know you're talking to God. Right? And God has all the answers. Mark 1 in verse 35. And in the early morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. He spent quality time also. The, I know there are sometimes where we have we don't have the time because of our world, right? Our life hustle and bustle. So we say those quick, short prayers. But you got to have quality time in prayer too, right? You know, you have to have that good quality time where you're talking to God. You know, where you're, where you're, and, and God is working things out in, in your mind and and talking about them. Like confession is good for the soul, right? Talking about those things helps us to work things out. Pray to God. God, here's my situation. Pray with reverence and respect. Not as if God, God's not a man, right? We gotta pray with reverence and, and awe and respect and do our due diligence. When, when we feel the overwhelming pressures of, of life, be like Jesus. Pray more, right? As strong as the pressure gets, or as strong as it is, match it with prayer. That's what Jesus did. He kept matching it with prayer. Prayer, 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 and more prayer, and more prayer, and more prayer. And, and he would lose sleep over his prayer, right? He would, lose, he would get up early, early, early in the morning to make sure that he prayed for what was going to happen that day or what was coming that day and throughout the day. And prayer is so critical to our survival because we cannot live without Jesus. Tonight, so I'm encouraging you to spend more time in prayer. Pray about everything, right? Everything. What do we not pray about? There's nothing. Pray about everything, right? We live in a glass house too. Our glass house is God sees it all. So he already knows. Isn't that beautiful? When I used to, I remember, you know, thinking about, oh man, I gotta confess my fault, you <laughs> know. To God, and you're like, hey, all right, Lord. Um, and then you realize, wait a minute, He saw it, so you don't have to try to water it down. Right? Don't try to make it sound better than it was. Don't lie. You don't lie to God. You just tell Him the truth. Oh God, you know, I, yeah, I blew that one. 
I didn't want to do what was right. Shame on me. Talk to God. Pray. So Jesus gave us an amazing display of how to live our lives living in a glass house, under scrutiny, under the pressures of life, uh, trying to do the right thing and always do the right thing and continually doing the right thing. And when he found himself weak, what did he do? He prayed. Right? He was in the garden praying, Father, be thy will, remove this cup. But this is the same God who loved the world, Jesus. And so he knew he had to go through with it, but he needed strength, and God gave him the strength. Pray believing that God will answer or has already answered your request. Pray believing that God wants your success, and he does, and he will fulfill that success in your life. Pray and pray and continue to pray and keep on praying. And we have fancy little titles now, you know, prayer warriors. You know, we go to our prayer closet and I mean, they sound great, but you gotta actually do it too. <laughs> we have to, we have to pray. How much time are you spending in prayer? How much time did Jesus spend in prayer? So Jesus is our rescuer. You gotta love him because he's our rescuer. He came on a mission to rescue us from a world of sickness and sin. My own sickness, right? To rescue me from me, to, to transform me, to change me. Thank you, God, for doing that. Can't help but to love Jesus for that. Turn to John chapter 12. Likewise, he came to rescue, transform, and to change you. And when you think about all that, that Jesus has done, it, it almost has become, um, it's kind of slightly mockery, in my opinion. I guess I'm judging, and, and I, but let me just tell you. When we, when we learn cliches and we start saying them, just old sayings, and we say them without, without truly meaning them. Like, like, maybe the latest, maybe it's, it's older now, but, how are you today? And people say, oh, better than I deserve. How many of them really believe that? I wonder that, you know, because the minute you start saying that they're, you're going to take stuff from them, they're the same people who get angry at you for taking stuff from them, you know. Oh, I don't want to pay my taxes, or I this, or I that. What's wrong with it? You know, it's like, wait a minute, didn't you just say better than you deserve? So then if it's better than you deserve, if they take it away, you'd say, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. I think the only qualifier or qualified person to say that is Job. God took it Satan, if you will, took it all away. And he said, the Lord give it, the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What if everything were taken away from us today? What if you got a letter that says, well, are you a Christian? If you are, if you check this box and say you're a Christian, we're coming to take your home, your car, your bank accounts will be liquidated, and you will live on the streets from this day forward for the rest of your life. You will never receive credit again, opportunity, etc., etc. Would you check that box? Oh, we'd say, oh, of course I would. In the wintertime. Right? Think about that. Is it, do we really feel better? I mean, is it, how are you doing today? Better than I deserve? Or, or may I say, is it more, maybe better, more accurate to say, I'm just so thankful that God has given me what I have. I pray He doesn't take it away. Right? I'm more like the proverb when He says, you know, God, don't give me too much, because then I, I, I'll forget you. And don't give me too little, because then I might steal. 
right? I'm more like what with, with, with the, with the proverb says, and Solomon says that, Lord, don't give me too much. Because then I might forget you. And, and don't, don't give me too little. Because I might, I might steal. John chapter 12, verse 32. And if I be lifted up from the world, the earth, I will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. The multitude therefore answered him, We have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up. Who is this Son of Man? Jesus therefore said to them, For a little while longer, the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, that darkness may not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, in order that you may become sons of light. Verse 46. I have come as a light into the world that everyone who believes in me may not remain in darkness. Thank you, Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus all over again. Thank you, Jesus, that I don't have to live in darkness like I was told, like I thought. I don't have to follow the impulses of my heart like I thought. I don't have to act upon my feelings like I thought. I can stay in the light. Because Jesus not only told me to, He showed me how to do it. The lesson is yours tonight. Thank you so very much for your time. Really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll get to the uh, point where we're able to use utilize the microphones of those online uh, and, and those even present can hear the comments and questions that are being uh, echoed. But thank you tonight for your time. I really appreciate it. The lesson is yours. We're going to have a Devo in just a moment and some announcements and prayer. Um, if there's something we can do for you, please make it known. Contact us if you uh, would like and we will do the best that we can to put you in touch with the right individual or individuals to help you uh, through your problems. God bless you and thank you for your time tonight.